Hey, what is going on? Oh man, it is so good to be back. You are listening to the podcast on the mic with Mike. I am your host, Instructor Mike. You can follow me on Instagram at Yes Mike Said It or Sectricon S-E-C-T-R-A-C-O-N. You can also follow me on Facebook at Mike Brown. You can also follow my YouTube channel, Instructor Mike. All right, so let's get right into it. Man, this has been a heck of a doggone week, month, I don't know, months in Chicago. We are just in the middle, or actually the end, of a Chicago mayoral election between uh, Tony Preckwinkle and Lori Lightfoot, and Tony Preckwinkle won. So, uh, oh, wait, wait, no, we didn't. Gotcha there. Lori Lightfoot won. I know some of you all who don't live in Chicago, you know, or who heard of Chicago politics probably thought Tony Preckwinkle, you've heard that name before. Uh, and you've heard Lori Lightfoot, not as much as you've heard Tony Preckwinkle. Uh, no, really, no one really expected um, uh, Tony Preckwinkle to lose. No one really expected Lori Lightfoot to win in the beginning of this race, but Lori Lightfoot did the greatest that she could. She was like the hunter killer submarine that you did not see coming. And she swept Tony Preckwinkle in the race by a large margin akin to the dailies when they were running. Okay, so that's not the part. That's not the topic of this podcast. Just wanted to give a shout out to uh, Lori Lightfoot and hoping that she delivers uh, some of the change that needs to happen in Chicago. So let's dive right into it. This podcast, we are going to talk about embattled state's attorney, Cook uh, Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox. And we're going to talk about the Jesse Smollett situation. And we're going to talk about the Kim Fox protest and the counter protest in support of Kim Fox. Look, I'm just going to go on ahead and just say it outright. First of all, uh, I am one of those persons that is heavily informed with the stuff that I choose to be informed of. <laughs> okay. And um, when Kim Fox was running as uh, or for state's attorney, you know, I was paying attention to uh, a lot of things because her platform was primarily centered around uh, the Laquan McDonald shooting and the failures of her predecessor with regard to that specific case uh, or the stated failures of uh, Anita Alvarez in terms of the handling of that case as it relates to former Chicago police officer Jason Van Dyke, who was accused and now stands convicted of the shooting of a 16-year-old, at the time, Laquan McDonald, an African-American male who resided within the city of Chicago. Uh, those of you all who aren't familiar with the story, you know, you're more than welcome to Google it, long and short of it. Uh, Chicago police responded uh, to a situation involving Laquan. Jason Van Dyke was one of the last officers responding to the scene. He subsequently discharged his uh, service uh, pistol where he struck Laquan 16 times where he then uh, died on scene. And uh, it was anywhere from about maybe 200 days or some, uh, maybe 400, I think 200 to 400 days, somewhere in that ballpark area uh, before charges were ever brought against uh, Laquan McDonald. Uh, and because of that, Anita Alvarez, then state's attorney of Cook County at the time, Gary McCarthy, then police superintendent of the Chicago Police Department at the time, and now to be the former mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, was heavily criticized for uh, an apparent 
concealing of the information leading a concealing of the information regarding the issue that occurred. Now, again, me being a person who is heavily informed about what took place, I think that people uh, have a lapsed memory in terms of understanding that at that time it happened in August of 2014, which was on the heels of the grand jury in Ferguson in St. Louis County releasing their decision not to indict uh, Ferguson police officer Darren Wilson of the shooting death of Michael Brown in Ferguson, uh, the city of Ferguson, county of St. Louis, uh, Missouri. And so uh, there were a lot of cities where black people and other people as well were in protest because of the decision not to indict uh, Officer Darren Wilson of Ferguson and had the revelation of our own proverbial Ferguson had come out, that would have been a public safety nightmare. That would have been a powder keg in essence. So I can understand in essence for the interest of public safety, a small delay in release, but it wasn't a small delay. It was rather a large delay because we had our own Chicago mayoral and automatic election that was taking place during the time that both events were taking place. So we can easily argue that aside from the public safety uh, issue. There clearly was a political motive behind the uh, concealing of that information. And, you know, uh, what part the Cook County State's Attorney's Office could have played in that? Uh, a lot of people could make speculation. But uh, in and of itself, uh, the Cook County State's Attorney's Office, for we can say a percentage of cases, need the police to bring a case to them for them to be able to prosecute that case. OK, uh, that's not providing a, an excuse. That's providing a procedural uh, reason why there could have been uh, some delay. Excuse me. <coughs> OK. Just getting over cold. You get it. All right. So uh, carrying on, not to uh, digress, just providing a little bit of background, a little bit of perspective to catch you up on some things you might have missed. Uh, Gary McCarthy was also uh, believed to be a co-conspirator uh, in the uh, cover up, if you will, of the uh, release of the information because he, as a police superintendent, uh, it was alleged that he saw the uh, dash cam footage of the shooting, even though it had no audio and that he did not do anything, which you have to understand from a perspective that one police superintendent, Gary McCarthy, like any city police chief, superintendent, commissioner, regardless of your tight, your chief's nomenclature or their title or their office is still subject to the will and pleasure of the chief executive or the mayor of that given city. They're not appointed like, like sheriffs. Uh, and just like any state police director, commissioner, whatever your state police directors and commissioners and city police chiefs share one thing in common. They are appointed at the will and pleasure, uh, with the confirmation of the general assembly or the, the legislative body of that given body of government, uh, to serve. And they can be replaced by the mayor or by the governor at a, a, a drop of a hat or at a snap of a finger, just like that. They have no protection, unlike the sheriffs of counties who are elected by the people. And so given that it was a Chicago mayoral and automatic election at that time, Gary McCarthy, even though he may have wanted to do something at that time, uh, I'm not going to say he did. I'm not going to say he did. I'm just going to assume that he did. Uh, he was subject to the will and pleasure of his boss at the time 
time, Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who could have, in fact, told him, hold off. I need to win this election. You know, if I lose this election, you lose your job. And so you think about, you know, we want to talk about moral and ethical decisions uh, from law enforcement. You know, when you're talking about whether or not there's a prospect of you losing your job and you know how quickly you can lose it. How many of you listening to this podcast would easily sacrifice your job just to make sure that, you know, in the interest of justice, justice is done, but you lose your job. And so uh, that's an easy argument that could be made in this situation. Not saying he should have did it, not saying he should not have done it. Just put yourself in his shoes. All right. So just give me a little bit of perspective. I don't want to digress too much. Uh, so, you know, fast forward, uh, Laquan McDonald, uh, obviously he had passed and, uh, some, some years later, the trial went on, Jason Van Dyke was acquitted. And so now, uh, we look at Kim Fox, by the way, Kim Fox got to her office on the backs of two things. One, President Tony Preckwinkle, who is now and will remain the president of the Cook County Board of Commissioners and the chair of the Cook County Democratic Party, she was a heavy backer behind uh, Kim Fox's election. Uh, and then one of the main in issues that was central to uh, uh, Kim Fox's campaign was the outcomes that took place in uh, the Laquan McDonald situation, given that if you divide it by race in terms of which racial component in Chicago, a heavily segregated city was more upset. Uh, we can easily argue that black people were more upset because the victim in this case was a black person. And this shooting, I can honestly say from a use of force perspective, should have never happened. Uh, there were other options that should have been deployed, but the police officers were not so equipped. And so, uh, given that Kim Fox is black, given that Laquan McDonald uh, was a black kid who passed at the hands of police, given that the main uh, persons who were angry, rightfully so, were black, and given that Tony Preckwinkle, being the chair of the Democratic Party, you know, uh, was backing her, those two things propelled her to victory. Now, I, being a heavily informed person, watched a lot of the uh, debates that took place, uh, especially on Chicago tonight between uh, then state's attorney Anita Alvarez, a veteran trial prosecutor uh, who I've personally seen in action as a former law enforcement officer in Illinois and specifically in Cook County. Uh, Donna Moore, a veteran uh, prosecutor at the federal level. Uh, and uh, Kim Fox, who is a prosecutor. Uh, we'll, we'll give her the title of veteran in that she primarily argued cases. And uh, I don't know if she tried cases, but she worked cases uh, primarily in the juvenile area. She was a supervisor, you know, at least this is the experience that she stated that she had. But I will tell you this, when you're talking about being the Cook County state's attorney, you are talking about being the state's attorney in Cook County at, uh, you know, it, being able to handle the most serious, serious cases from murders all the way down to the pettiest misdemeanor. You know, you're talking about being the the head in that office, you know, uh, and I can't state whether or not uh, Anita Alvarez's predecessor, Dick Devine, 
Dick Devine had that kind of uh, experience. I didn't follow him. I didn't do any research on that. But I know Anita Alvarez, uh, irregardless to her her alleged role uh, in the uh, alleged conspiracy to cover up Laquan McDonald's issue, if in fact there ever was a conspiracy, uh, I can still state this, that irregardless to that, Anita Alvarez had trial experience uh are, are fighting murders in the court and when we're talking about you know the prosecutor's office that's your job to prosecute 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 you know extend mercy where you can deferred you know uh, uh prosecution you know deferred trial options things like that but your primary job is to prosecute cases against people who commit crimes in the name of the people of the state of illinois serving in the county wherein you are elected that is your job uh, and that having been said, you know, Kim Fox, you know, sailed to victory over Anita Alvarez and Donna Moore to that office. And after having watched the debates, you know, uh, in uh, on TV, Chicago Tonight and other places, I was of the belief that uh, Kim Fox, while being a beautiful soul, you know, a, a, a beautiful person, you know, uh, born and raised in Chicago, has an awesome, awesome story of triumph. It is not the case that she is experienced enough to be in that office. And I think that myself being an African-American male residing in the county of Cook in the state of Illinois, you know, um, not nearly as older as Kim Fox is. I think that, you know, I suffer from what's called double marginality, you know, in the criminal justice system. And it's that belief that, you know, uh, within the criminal justice system held by other races, that blacks are going to give blacks, you know, too many breaks and be lenient. And then, you know, then there's the feeling by blacks that, OK, you're an Uncle Tom, you're this, you're that. And so being a black professional within the criminal justice system, we, we face a lot of harsh uh, criticism. And I think that the the black community and and just bear with me for a moment with regard to uh, my explanation of this. Uh, I think that within the black community, I think that there is always this belief that irregardless of a person's experience, you know, one, we just want to get into an office to say that we're uh, the first black or a, a black person has ascended to that office. And that's not always the predominating theory of every black person. But for some people, that is the case. And you see it uh, when you see inexperienced persons trying to get to that office just to hold the office to say that a black person is holding this office. I'm not saying that's the case for Kim Fox, but uh, that's one theory. Another theory is this, is this. You, for you to say that a black person, you being a black person, and for you to say that another black person is unqualified, how dare you say that? You're speaking negative uh, about someone within your own racial cohort. Cohort, You shouldn't do that. You should ever be loyal to your own race because, you know, the thing, the, the, tumultuous things that uh, uh, black folks have had to go through in this company, I'm going to say in this company, company too, but in this country, you know, the horrible things that have been visited upon our ancestors in this country, you know, we need to stick together as much as we can. And I do agree. However, I think we have a duty, you know, especially if you are in the profession and you know about procedure and you know how things are supposed to be and you know what you expect of your elected 
state's attorney or your elected official, if you know that person isn't qualified for the job or you know that person's values don't match with yours, I think you have a duty to respectfully still love the person, but be man or woman enough in adult enough voter enough to be able to state yes you're a beautiful soul you're a handsome gentleman you're this you're that but this is not the office for you i see you in another role and i'm going to support this person or that person because that's just what i believe and i don't think you should be condemned for your beliefs that having been said let's look at the jesse smollett uh situation okay let's go on ahead and pause right quick for a commercial break and then we will be right back after this message all right welcome back to on the mic with mike let's go on ahead and continue let's dive right in it you know uh when we look at the jesse smollett case those of you all who you know forgot about the case in the early i want to say maybe january somewhere in that ballpark early uh 2019 when we had the polar vortex jesse smollett empire actor who plays or played i think he still plays jamal lyons alleged that two masked light skin or white male uh accosted him or, or battered him uh very badly poured bleach on him uh in in, a, in the libertyville i want to say neighborhood of chicago uh a little bit past downtown uh, over by the lake uh, they then poured bleach on him and then put a noose around his neck where he then ran with the noose on his neck to the ho- to the high rise building where he was staying with the noose still around his neck. He called the Chicago police and made the claim the uh, area central detectives and uh, uh, the 18th district, which, which is the Chicago police district, wherein the place where he resides uh, is in. They responded and treated him like a victim, okay, Uh, you know, heavily uh, uh, investigating the case. And I want you to understand that Jesse Smollett is an openly gay actor. Uh, And so the reason why it received a lot of attention is one, because of his star power. That's number one. Number two, uh, because of the horrible allegations that were alleged at the time. And let's not forget, he also stated that these attackers shout shout at MAGA, M-A-G-A, which is the abbreviation for Make America Great Again. And that slogan and those initials are linked to President Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States, and his campaign slogan that he campaigned on uh, for his election and is campaigning on continuously for his re-election. And so because of the political nature of the implications, because of the racial racial nature of the implications, because of his sexual status being gay, and because of his racial status being black, and because of his star power, all of those individual symbols and the symbolic nature of the bleach, a whiting instrument on a black face and the noose, a, a instrument by which uh, thousands of black people were hung from trees. That That is a horrific hate crime. And in the heart of the downtown Chicago and north side area or near north area, which is heavily populated by a lot of well-to-do folks, influential with money in the heart of the area where tourism abounds. And so because of all of this, all of these things deemed a high profile response 
from the Chicago Police Department for if ever they were going to be tested um, in terms of and especially right in the middle of a Chicago mayoral and automatic election where one of the candidates is openly gay, who is now the mayor of Chicago. People don't pay attention to the symbolic nature of these individual uh, uh, details within the allegations. So that is the reason why you had the large excuse me, the large response. And so when it turned out to be that in the course of the investigation, uh, there were two Nigerian brothers who uh, were alleged to have been a part of this attack and they were taken into custody and treated uh, like, you know, suspects in terms of questioning. And then their subsequent revelation that they were part of the conspiracy to uh, for Jesse, if you will, to to frame this attack because of, you know, his own personal reasons. Then Jesse Smollett became the uh suspect and then the uh state's attorney that's when the cook county state's attorney's office as a part of the felony review process uh which is a process by which all detectives and some police officers depending upon the level of the uh allegations or charges or the level of the allegations uh they have to go through the cook county state's attorney's office before felony charges can be approved so the state's attorney's office goes and gets one count, one indictment, one felony indictment from the Cook County Grand Jury for the charge of felony disorderly conduct in that, uh, it, it, first of all, there was a large amount of details within his story that were proven to be lies and the gravity by which you know he his his lie was and the fact that he was willing to allow two persons innocent persons to have been taken into custody because of this lie you know the the details of that the 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 planning within that definitely rises to the level of felony disorderly conduct. Not saying it should be a jailable offense in essence, even though some people would disagree, but it definitely rises to the level of at least a felony charge. The disposition may be different. That having been said, <coughs> Cook County State's Attorney's Office secured that indictment. Okay. Now, before they even secured the indictment, I believe the Cook County State's Attorney, recu- uh, Kim Fox, recused herself prior to the indictment. Correct me if I'm wrong. Please do. But I believe prior to that, uh, she recused herself uh, before they got the indictment. And her first deputy assistant, uh, State's Attorney Joe Magetz, uh, ha- uh began to handle the case. And we're going to talk about this recusal as well. Uh, because there was definitely something procedurally wrong. Uh, now, uh, we all saw the, 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 you know, the many posts and the many media stories about him being arrested, you know, at, uh, what was it? Area central on 51st and Wentworth in Chicago. Uh, and so he was then taken to the light and criminal courts building where he was, you know, arraigned, uh, and, you know, given, he was given bond, uh, he posted his bond. He came back and was arraigned on the one felony count. Then Cook County State's attorneys, uh, Cook County State's attorneys, then went back to the grand jury and secured fifteen more felony 
counts for the 15 more felony indictments against Jesse Smollett for the charge of disorderly conduct, where he then had to come back to court to be rearranged on a total of 16 felony counts of disorderly conduct, a level, a class four felony, which is the lowest class in the state of Illinois punishable by if prison time is even warranted one to three years in the Illinois Department of Corrections. And so that having been said, you think about it, there was a lot of work that went behind it. There was a, a area central uh, detective commander who went on the news as well as uh, the superintendent of the Chicago Police Department, Eddie Johnson, and the mayor uh, who went on TV and detailed, 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 detailed the course of the investigation and how they derived to uh, Jesse Smollett's uh belief that he you know the re the reasonable not reasonable i apologize the probable cause with which they needed to gain to get these felony indictments and prove to the grand jury that you know there's probable cause to arrest uh and so uh months later if you will we later learn that cook county state's attorney kim fox or her office just drops the charges all 16 charges just like that, dropped. And so we hear that Jesse Smullett uh, had to forfeit his $10,000 bond and did two days of community service at Chicago's Rainbow Push Coalition headquarters, which is owned and operated by the Reverend Jesse L. Jackson Sr., civil rights leader, okay? Yeah, that's that, that's crazy to me because as a person, first of all, you you don't forfeit $10,000 in bond if you weren't found guilty of anything. You know, they don't drop the charges and you lose your bond. When they drop the charges, you gain your bond back. And so <clears throat> there has been a lot of backlash against Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox over the dropping of these charges and Chicago is, again, we can argue racially divided over the dropping of these charges, number one, and Cook County State's attorney, number two. And I'm going to tell you the two different positions. A great cohort of non-black folks believe that Kim Fox was wrong for dropping the charges. Uh, not saying that it was prison time that should have been warranted, even though some people hold that belief. But they believe that the charges should not have been dropped like that. And then there's a great percentage from what I've seen, social media, media outlets, conversation, that people are being too hard on Kim Fox, that it was just a little lie held by the, you know, a great deal of the black contingency. Uh, that Kim Fox is just being picked on because she's black you know, and had it been a white prosecutor, this and this and that. Or here's another argument that's been coming out too. Well, y'all didn't say anything about uh, the state's attorney, Anita Alvarez, when she messed up over the Jason Van Dyke case. So why do you want to say something against Kim Fox when she sits here and releases Jussie Smollett over a BS lie? OK, so that's the, 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 the general synopsis over uh, the, the two camps, if you will. So I've been doing a lot of reading and a lot of researching, and I just wanted to read something that the Illinois Prosecutors Bar Association uh, wrote in uh, Chicago 
Fox 32 News. It was a, a statement that they wrote and that was put out in various media outlets. And I'm going to read that because I am of the opinion that Kim Fox is not being messed with on a greater scale because she's black, even though some could argue that it's a part of it. I'm not going to hold that view because I will say as an experienced person, I'm not an attorney, but I do want to be one. And that means I look at a lot of procedure. Uh, one can argue and I might toot my own horny here, but screw it. I, I earned it. I probably know just a little bit more in terms of the law than the average person within my cohort. If so, if you know more than me, that's great. Debate me. Hey, teach me more. I love it. Let's learn. Let's grow together. You get what I'm saying. But procedurally, she screwed up. Let's read this. Here we go. And this is from the Illinois Prosecutors Bar Association. So the Illinois Prosecutors Bar Association serves as the voice for nearly a thousand frontline prosecutors across the state who work tirelessly toward the pursuit of justice. The events over the past few days regarding the Cook County State's attorney's handling of the Jesse Smollett case is not condoned by the IPBA, nor is it representative of the honest ethical work prosecutors provide the citizens of the state of Illinois on a daily basis. The manner in which the case was dismissed was abnormal and unfamiliar to those who practice law in criminal courthouses across the state. Prosecutors, defense attorneys, and judges alike do not recognize the arrangement Mr. Smollett received. Even more problematic, the state's attorney and her representatives have fundamentally misled the public on the law and the circumstances surrounding the dismissal. The public has the right to know the truth, and we set out to do that here. When an elected state's attorney recuses herself from a prosecution, the Illinois law provides that the court shall appoint a special prosecutor. See Chapter 55, Illinois Compiled Statutes, Act 5, Section 3-9008, Section A-15. They quote Illinois law there. Okay, Typically, the special prosecutor is a neighboring state's attorney, excuse me, the attorney general or the state appellate prosecutor, sidebar. That is exactly what happened in the Laquan McDonald case. Anita Alvarez, uh, then the state's attorney at the time that Jason Van Dyke was uh, prosecuted for the case, or at least, I don't know if he was indicted, uh, he might have been indicted, indicted for that case, or at least charged with that case. She recused herself from the case and in essence recused the entire office by which I want to believe it was Kane County state's attorney who took the case. The attorney general at the time, Lisa Madigan didn't want to take it state appellate prosecutor. Eh, we don't know if they want to take the case or not, but the attorney general didn't want to handle it. I'm telling you politics makes strange bedfellows. Let's continue. Here, the state's attorney kept the case within her office and thus never actually recused herself as a matter of law. Additionally, the Cook County State's Attorney's Office falsely informed the public that the uncontested sealing of the criminal court case was mandatory under Illinois law. This statement is not accurate. To the extent the case was even eligible for an immediate seal, that action was discretionary, not mandatory, and only upon proper filing of a petition to seal. See Chapter 20, Illinois Compiled Statutes, Act 2630, Section 5.2, G2. And I can tell you this to be the case because I, having been formally wrongfully arrested, having fought my case and won, also, having filed for my own expungement, I can tell you it is not immediate. It is not automatic. It is definitely discretionary. Okay. 
For seals not subject to Section 5.2 G2, the process employed by, in this case, by the state's attorney's office, effectively denied law enforcement agencies of the legally required notice, and they do have to receive notice. C, Chapter uh, Chapter 20, Illinois Compiled Statutes, Act 2630, Section 5.2, D as in David, 4, and the legal opportunity to object to the sealing of the file. Same section, D as in David, 5, okay? The state's attorney not only declined to fight the sealing of this case, but then provided false information to the public regarding it. See, you can't fool a person like me because I'm not just talking about these things. I've been through it myself. So I know there's a factual basis for what they're putting out here, okay? Let's continue. The appearance of impropriety here is compounded by the fact that this case was not on the regularly scheduled court call. The public had no reasonable notice or opportunity to view these proceedings, and the dismissal was done abruptly as at what has been called a, quote, emergency hearing, end quote. To date, the nature of the purported emergency has not been publicly disclosed. The sealing of a court case immediately following a hearing where there was no reasonable notice or opportunity for the public to attend is a matter of grave public concern and undermines the very foundation of our public court system. Lastly, the state's attorney had claimed that this arrangement is, quote, available to all defendants, end quote, and, quote, not a new or unusual practice, end quote. There has been even been an implication. It was done in accordance with a statutory diversionary pro diversion program. These statements are plainly misleading and inaccurate. This section was highly unusual, not a statutory diversion program, and not in accordance with well-accepted practices of state's attorney-initiated diversionary programs, the IPBA supports diversion programs and recognizes the many benefits they provide to the community, the defendant, and to the prosecuting agency. Central to any diversion program, however, is that the defendant must accept responsibility. To be clear here, this was simply not a deferred prosecution. Prosecutors must be held to the highest standard of legal ethics in the pursuit of justice. The actions of the Cook County State's attorney have fallen woefully short of this expectation. Though the repeated and misleading and deceptive statements to the public on Illinois law and circumstances surrounding the Smollett dismissal, the state's attorney failed in her most fundamental ethical obligations to the public. The IPBA condemns these actions. This irregular arrangement was an affront to prosecutors across the state, the Chicago Police Department, victims of hate crimes, and the people of the city of Chicago and Cook County. We strongly encourage our members and the public to review the National District Attorneys Association statement on prosecutorial best practices in high-profile cases. You know, I think that this was a profoundly uh this was a profound statement written by the Illinois Prosecutors Bar Association and not only was it was it a statement of opinion uh we can argue uh akin to an amicus uh, what is it uh I, I can't even say the legal term uh, an amicus curiae brief or a friend of the court brief in a given court case in support of a position uh but it was also uh, backed by statute where you and I 
and the curious person can go and review whether or not it is the law that they are quoting here. I like those arguments and it doesn't appear to be biased towards her on the basis of race. In fact, it's not biased towards her on the basis of race. It is clearly because she procedurally messed up. You know, and I love Kim Fox. I went to an event where I heard her speak in in December. You know, she spoke very well, very eloquent, like a public defender, not like a prosecutor, you know. Uh, And so that's part of the problem right there. You know, you got to be experienced for the job that you have. And there there's been one thing that one statement that I've uh, heard having been said, you know, when I'm at the top. I don't have to know what I'm doing. I just have to have other people around me who know what they're doing. And as long as I treat them good, then we're going to all shine or something to that effect. Something in that ballpark. I'm sure some of you have heard statements akin to that. That is BS. It doesn't work like that all the time. Sometimes it's the people around you that could set you up for things where you think they're helping you out, but they're not. They're setting you up for your downfall because they don't like you. They don't like your power or they liked you at one point in time and they thought you were going to do good, thought you were going to learn, but you came in and you didn't do what you were supposed to do and you're making them look bad. So now they got to get you out because everybody's got a, a, a handler, a boss, something to that effect. Politics is crazy. Government positions are crazy like that. that, that that's something, though, you know, and I just think it's uh, relatively sad that people are making this about uh, Kim Fox race when it's not about her race I don't think uh, I think it's about the procedure and the fact that she procedurally messed up she she said some things and did some things you know and then in subsequent I don't want to say advertising but then in subsequent media conversations she comes out and says I I am backing my office in saying that <clears throat> excuse me we did the right thing We did the right thing. Wait a minute. You were supposed to have recused yourself. So by you getting into these conversations, Madam, uh, Madam State's Attorney Fox, instead of by you getting into these conversations, it's like you're going back on the recusal that you said you recused yourself from. And one can argue, since we want to bring up the misdoing or the misdealings, if that's such a word, of Cook County, former Cook County State's Attorney Anita Alvarez, when Anita recused herself from the case her and her office said nothing about it afterward unless it was a part of the debate when kim fox inherited the office by way of election and whatever came with that when the case was going on she was silent when the conviction came out she was silent when the sentencing happened and a lot of people think that that's an unfair sentence she was still silent now during the jesse smollett case which was not a case that propelled her to her office Now you got a lot to say after you allegedly recuse yourself and then in your sayings, you're getting emotional and you're stating that I defend our decision. Wait, 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 wait. You recuse yourself. So now are you saying you didn't recuse yourself? Because that seems to be a central argument of a lot of people who are primarily in support of her, primarily because of an emotionally reactive stance without understanding procedure, the law. Okay. You know, it's just, uh, uh, it's ironic. Okay, so got a chance to read some more. Eric Zorn, who was a contact reporter of the Chicago Tribune, wrote another article or a column saying Kim Fox will and should lose her job over the Jesse Smollett case. Uh, And so it's an interesting read. You know, um, 
And the thing is, is that it's some of the stuff that he said in here that I think that it was it was great. Uh, don't necessarily want to read it all. Just a couple of uh, paragraphs from it or a couple of uh, things from it. You know, Fox could have distanced herself from this blunder, given it's her own blunder. Emailing and texting people close to Smollett earlier in the investigation had prompted her to step away from the case and leave it to underlings. But she grabbed ownership of it Wednesday, giving interviews in which she expressed pride and confidence in the way that her office handled the case. And although she can point with some pride to the diversionary programs that have kept small time offenders out of jail and offered them fresh starts and clean slates, her betrayal of the public's understandable expectations of justice in the Smollett case will taint that entire initiative. Both the National District Attorneys Association and the Illinois Prosecutors Bar Association have released statements this week sharply critical of Fox. And it's very possible that she'll be defending that outcome from now until March 17, 2020, where she then has to face election again for her seat. You know, um, it, it, it's really something. It's a great read. I don't want to read his whole thing. Uh, I think it's the March 28th article, 2019. You know, uh, go back and read it, pick it up. Yeah, I think it's very great uh, to read it. But I just want to say, now let's look at this protest that took place uh, in Chicago. It happened yesterday, April Fool's Day, no doubt, uh, between the Fraternal Order of Police, which was, I've never seen it in my lifetime. I'm only 30-something years old. <laughs> I thought I was going to hear that, right? I'm only 30-something years old. So I never thought that I would ever see in my lifetime the, the Chicago Lodge, Lodge Number 7, of the Fraternal Order of Police protesting against uh, the state's attorney, Kim Fox. And not saying that they shouldn't, not saying that they should, you know. But in essence, they should have, and they did. Why? Me having been a former police, me having been a police officer, not of Lodge 7, but uh, when I was a police officer, I was a part of two lodges within the Fraternal Order of Police. Some people think the Fraternal Order of Police is just Chicago. No, it's national. Just broken down into many lodges, okay? Not every police department is a part of FOP, but most police departments across the nation are a part of the Fraternal Order of Police. <coughs> we also have supporters, okay? An associate ship, if you will, with the fraternal order of police. And so, you know, it, it, it becomes frustrating, if you will. And I, having been not only a police officer, but having been a detective, both homicide and narcotics, you know, uh, when you're in different uh, departments, sometimes you're either a specialist in one given crime or a multiple. And then in other departments, you're a generalist where whatever case comes to you of various classifications, you just have to handle you know, uh, it becomes frustrating when you put together a great case, you know, and then you hand it off to the state's attorney because that's a part of the procedure. And then you get this catch and release, catch and release, catch and release. Now, at the time that I stopped being the police, Anita Alvarez was state's attorney. OK. Kim Fox is now state's attorney, so I'm not witnessing. I have not personally witnessed this catch and release per se. But I have colleagues that are still in law enforcement and they say it's horrible. I have friends that have been victims of crimes. And they want justice and they say it's horrible. And don't get me wrong, as a black person, I am not closed off to the socioeconomic problems that breed candidates for criminal behavior. I am also not blind 
to the ills of the justice system and how they visit the black community. I'm not numb or dumb to that either. But I'm also not dumb or numb to the fact, F-A-C-T, Frank Adam Charles Tom. Somebody want to add a king on there, fact. <laughs> I'm not dumb to the fact that we do have black criminals in our community. Seen it in my childhood, seen it in my adolescent, seen it today. Looking at the website, heyjackass.com, and seeing how it is sad but true that my race, black folks, are leading, have continued to lead. And I hate to say will, until we desire to change and do it physically, will lead the city of Chicago in the homicide rate of us killing us. And so if it's truly in the interest of justice that black folks continue to say that Chicago police invested, invested all these resources into the Jesse Smollett case, a hoax, a lie, some BS, move on and help us solve these murders. Wait a minute. Once they solve the murders, what office do you think they're going to? <gasps> That's right. The Cook County State's Attorney's Office. And if all they're doing is catching and releasing, or if the case just somehow gets passed up to the top law enforcement officer in the county, being Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox, she, unfortunately, and please fact check me, has no trial experience with a murder. She has no conviction rate with a murder. So if you think you're going to get justice by counting on Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox as it relates to murders, you're not going to get it. She may not be able to deliver it. And if she does, she's going to need help. Now, I'm not saying she can never do it. And if I did say that, I apologize. But has she done it? No. Will you get it? Not until she gets experience. And in Chicago, a, a, a state where the crime rate is very high, third largest city in the United States, I, I said Chicago, a state, you know what I meant, Chicago, a city, where the crime rate is very high in the third largest city in the United States. We need to have someone in that office that has experience going after the most egregious crimes known to man aside from domestic terrorism. And in domestic terrorism, you have tens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of murders within that one incident. <coughs> and if you have not tried one murder all the way to conviction, how can you handle multiple? And apparently your team is not having your back because your team leaked the emails. They they've told different stuff. You see what I'm saying? So your team doesn't have. I'm just saying. So let's look at this protest that occurred on April Fool's Day, April uh, 1st, 2019. It occurred at 69 West Washington, which is the George W. Dune County building where the Cook County State's Attorney Office is. On one side, you have the Fraternal Order of Police, Lodge 7, Chicago Police. 
Uh, and then you also had on the other side the opposing protests for those in support of Kim Fox. And so uh, you, you had one side saying the whole damn system is guilty as hell, you know, no racist, police, stuff like that. And then you know, on the other side, you got those saying Kim's got to go, Kim's got to go, you know, uh, different chants, things like that, you know. And so having a chance to watch Channel 2's uh, uh, coverage of it. And they stayed out there for well over two hours, but it was covered on Facebook for like two hours. I was teaching. I couldn't get out there. Um, just having watched it, you know, I said that there were some interesting points, uh, made by some, uh, in the audience. Uh, and so, you know, people were talking about how, you know, uh, on the counter protest side, you know, racist police, racist police. And on the FOP side, they were saying, well, you guys call us, you call us to the scene. You want us to help you with your problems, you know, and then when we get to your problems now, it's so I don't want to talk to you, you know, screw the police, this and this and that. And so it becomes a ironic conflict, if you will. You know, you want the police, but then F them. It, 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 it's, it's weird, you know. Uh, and then there's calls for we're going to support Kim Fox. We're going to make sure that she stays state's attorney. You know, I want to end with this. There was another lady, elderly white lady that was on the side of FOP. Excuse me. <coughs> Thank you all for bearing with me, by the way. But I just had to get this out. That was on the side of FOP. And she was like, you know, I'm, I'm not a cop. I have no cops in my family. And she was talking to uh, former, uh, I want to say fifth ward, not fifth ward, former seventh ward automatic candidate, Jedediah Brown, community activist. She was talking to him. And along with John, I think, Catazera, he's a, a Chicago police officer. Um, and I'm only saying his name because he's known on Facebook, stuff like that. Otherwise, I wouldn't put him out there. He had no problem being on the media and stuff. So, John, if you're listening, don't come after me. Nah. Anyway. You know, but they were just having a conversation. And I love the fact that they were having a conversation. Two opposing sides just having a conversation. Uh, at least they were able to agree to disagree without being disagreeable. And I can say that. Um, and, and Jedediah is one of the ones that I don't always agree with his positions, but I do like the fact that he will listen a little more than most of the time. Okay. Unlike his counterpart, not going to even grace my podcast by saying his name. He was a Chicago mayoral candidate. You do the research hyperly aggressive hence can't get in a 30s bar for taco night got it you get it moving on um but she was saying look my friends have had their houses broken into they have had their cars jacked and then the police respond and do their job and then it's this catch and release you guys are looking at chicago you're forgetting us in the suburbs we are going to vote Kim out too because we're tired of this catch and release. So I don't think Chicago is all that Kim has to worry about. She has a lot to do in terms of showing Cook County that she is qualified and able to still do the job. And that doesn't mean come after me, Kim, for crying out loud. Why? Now, I, I didn't do anything, right? But what I'm saying is this. <clears throat> you're bearing with me, excuse me. But what I'm saying is this. You know, Kim, if you're listening, and it would be nice if you are, I'm nobody important, so you're probably not listening to me. But this is what I would say to Kim. Kim, 
first of all, I love you. I don't I don't have to know you to love you. I love you for trying. I love you for being you. The problem is is that politics makes strange bedfellows and we don't know how to say no because I think the right kind of no is better than the wrong kind of yes. And Madam State's Attorney, you are the wrong kind of yes because the platform that you rode in on was a good platform for the wrong office. You have been an assistant state's attorney, a supervisor, but those two ipso facto or in and of itself does not qualify you for the top spot as the Cook County State's Attorney's Office. And just like Gary McCarthy didn't want to sacrifice his job, right? That's that job, right? Just like Anita Alvarez didn't want to sacrifice her relationship or job, right? You didn't want to sacrifice whatever relationship or standing you had with Tony Preckwinkle being your former boss and the chair of the Cook County Democratic Party, right? And so you felt, in essence, because she made you chief of staff, she could have been your mentor <clears throat> as you were coming up in the county throughout. You didn't want to disappoint. You knew deep down in your heart of hearts. And see, we don't always have these conversations with our loved ones, but we need to. You knew deep down in your heart of hearts you didn't have the experience for this office at that top level versus your candidate, the opponent, the embattled incumbent, Anita Alvarez, who had experience trying murder cases and successfully winning. We can argue the whole thing about whether or not she prosecuted police officers. That's that's a subjective opinion in certain respects is a factual basis for a great percentage of those debates. We can go there, but she's got experience as a prosecutor at the highest level of crime that could be committed by someone within the county, within the state. But you didn't have that experience. And so how humbling would it have been for you to just say, I'm honored at the opportunity that you think that I should be the state's attorney. You need a black face for a black problem in the midst of this black situation. And so, Madam President Preckwinkle, you see me as a power play, but there's a lot at stake here. I really want to help our people. I want to help black people. They go through a lot, but you, you know prosecutor is law enforcement too like they already say f the police or f12 or f50 the prosecutor's office is a part of that and you want me to do this i i don't know like i can get in i could try i can make a great case we can obviously always use laquan i'm a beautiful face you know Easy on the eyes in certain respects, depending upon the the looker, right? You know, a passionate voice, a 
passionate story. Who cannot relate to, you know, the girl from Cabrini Green? I'm the boy from Robert Taylor, you know. Who cannot relate to a rags to professional standing? I want to say rags to riches, but rags to professional standing story. Who can't relate to that? And then you think about white Democrats within the state of Illinois, specifically within the county of Cook, a percentage of them vote. Let's be honest. A percentage of them vote because that's what it takes to keep the job. Not that they're really Democrat, no. A percentage of the white Democrats are Democratic. But a percentage of the white Democrats aren't Democratic or Democrats. They're just Democrats because that's what I got to do to keep the job. That's what I have to do to pay the bills. Meanwhile, at the round table at their house, they could be Republicans. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm an independent. It depends on what the issue is. I take a side depending upon what the issue is. Guns, I'm definitely conservative. Right? But they're voting for you not because of you. They're voting for you because, one, the other options aren't supported by the Democratic Party that pays the bills. That That's number one. And then number two, President Preckwinkle, the boss, who we really don't like, right? But she's the boss, said, you're the one I got to support. So I'm going to go ahead and throw my support your way and give you a chance. They like him, maybe, whatever. I don't care. Just support you, and that's that. Let's see what happens. Because the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Chicago's got a saying, we don't want nobody, nobody sent. And so we're going to support you. And so you had a duty. You had a responsibility to make sure that you, one, recognized how you got to your office, Madam State's Attorney. You didn't get to your office because of your high level of experience. And to think so is a fool's move. You got to that because of President Preckwinkle and Laquan McDonald. That's how you got there. Your campaigning was great. You could have stumped all day. But when you got the Cook County Board president carrying your literature around and stumping for you, that's a lot of leverage. With the unions that back President Preckwinkle, they backed you too. And so... When you are the state's attorney, you're supposed to do your job on behalf of the people. And the people wanted justice. Not saying that Jesse should have gone to jail. That's not what they were looking for. That's not even what I was looking for. But they wanted him to be held accountable. And you had one job. And it is said and every time a black person gets into a position, they have to do it 10 times better than white counterparts, 10 times better than any other racial counterpart, because so many eyes are on us. And if you got an opportunity, you got one chance to do it. And if you screw up, you know, they're coming for your head. And that was your opportunity. Jesse was your Laquan moment. And you dropped the ball. What shall be your fate 
It's not for me to judge, not for me to say, but it's not looking good. Could you recover? Sure, maybe. I don't know. Not, I, I don't know. But you got to do something. And all these other black folks that are saying, oh, my God, we're, we're going to support Kim. We're going to we're going to do stop. Even if every black person in Cook County voted for you, that is not enough to get you to the win. You can still lose by a great margin, even with the large black support. So whatever you're going to do, you got to do something. You got people in your house who failed you. So it's time to get up and do something. If you even can. Jussie couldn't admit his faults. Are you going to admit yours? Because while you may be an inexperienced state's attorney, you could have still learned. While you said you did recuse yourself, if you knew the procedure, you didn't. Be honest and say you don't know what you're doing. May not score you any points, but don't be like Mark Furman and just lie and say you never said the N-word when we all know you did. Just like you're saying everything you did was right. But you're the only person who believes everything you did was right professionally. Not the only person, but the only person professionally who believes everything you did was right. The Illinois, Pro- you know, I didn't even know there was an Illinois Prosecutors Bar Association. And here I am wanting to be a doggone attorney. I learned something new in your blunder. They are saying you did something wrong. The National District Attorneys Association is saying you did something wrong. My God. And you did procedurally. I'm not even an attorney and I know that. I know the procedure how which cases or by which cases are worked. I know how to go to, to the GJ along with the state's attorney and secure a true bill indictment. It's called work. It's a slap to the face to the LGBT community. It's a slap to the face to victims of hate crimes. It's a slap to the face of Chicago in the midst of the times, the trying times we already got to go through. And then this case got to do better. We got to do better. All right. That's it for on the mic with Mike. Y'all have a great morning, night, whenever you're listening to it. I love you. And we'll be back for the next podcast. Please join me. I'm going to make this a weekly thing now. Once a week because I have a lot of stuff that I'm doing. Usually I just do a podcast whenever I feel like it. Might get back to it or not. But at a minimum, once a week. I love you. Thank you for following me. Um, you can go to, again, Instagram at Yes Mike Said It or Sectricon. YouTube at Instructor Mike. Uh, Facebook at Mike Brown. Look for the picture of the black guy with the uh, firearms instructor across his vest. Stuff like that. And I'll see you on the next episode of On the Mic with Mike. Don't forget to tell your family members and friends how you love them. And just know that, hey, look, it's time to just do the best that we have to do for Chicago. Do the best that we have to do to take care of ourselves. And let's just see what happens in this situation regarding Jesse Smollett. He's on his way. Nothing could be done about that. Can't reverse it. Fed case coming out, maybe. Who knows? Let's see what happens. Love you. You guys take care.